0: word for us. I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is our rock and our redeemer, who is the source of everything good in our lives, and who teaches us to live as Jesus did. Amen. So Michael Phelps is commonly uh, thought of as one of the best uh, swimmers that has ever lived. And uh, if you take a look, you can see there's a selection of his gold medals uh, that he won in various different Olympics over the years. Now, one of the reasons he is such a great swimmer is because God just gave him certain gifts. His shoulders are just a little bit wider than most swimmers. His lung capacity a little bit greater. He literally breathes less when he swims than other swimmers do. His legs are actually a little bit small for his height, which produces a kind of aerodynamic shape that cuts through the water. And his ankles, they've been analyzed as more flexible than usual, meaning he can use his feet to propel himself through the water better than other swimmers. But all that said, Michael Phelps will tell you one of the reasons he is a good swimmer is not so much the body that God has given him, but also the habits that he has instilled in his life that help him succeed at when it matters most. For example, on race day, he always eats the exact same foods, um, the exact same diet. He has uh, headphones that he'll put on before the meet and he's got a playlist of songs, and he listens to the exact same songs every time to get him ready to race. And in fact, often other competitors think he's like taking a little nap or or just sitting there with his eyes closed and meditating or something. What he's literally doing is um, he's gotten into the habit of picturing in his mind the entire race, stroke by stroke, that he is about to swim. So he visualizes every single stroke of the entire race before he actually swims it. And then when he gets up on the platform, he has another habit that he's instilled. He actually kind of flaps his arms pretty dramatically across his body and around his back. And he does that for two reasons. Uh, First of all, to kind of loosen his shoulders a little bit, but mostly it's just to get him focused. And he's found out there's actually a third reason. It actually intimidates the other swimmers when he does it too. Now, all those habits uh, come together to help him that when that horn goes off, when that gun fires and the race begins, he can be at his best. And I want to show you one example of that. Uh, this is from the 2008 Beijing Olympics. This is the 200-meter uh, butterfly and a shortened version of the race. Let's watch. <laughs> well, here he goes. It's going to look like a race early on and it maybe it look like a race for about 150 meters and then all of a sudden... He's going to make these guys all look like boys, Dan. And trust me, these are the best swimmers on the planet. They're not boys, but he will make them look like See how close it is? It looks like, oh my gosh, these guys might be able to catch him. But just watch, just watch and enjoy this last turn. The turn for home and Olympic history for Michael Phelps. Just ahead of the world record right now. Getting a little pressure from Burmester down on the bottom of the screen in lane one. But he's got the clear lead right now. 15 meters left for Michael Phelps. Career Olympic gold medal number 10 in his sights. He's going to stand alone in Olympic history. Is it going to be a world record? champion of all time tosses the goggles on the deck seventh time he's broken this world record I think he may I think he may be a little bit upset about that the uh, announcers say I think he may be a little bit upset about that in fact he threw his goggles up onto the the, uh, deck and uh, was wiping his eyes, and, uh, and the announcers thought he was upset because he wanted to swim even faster than the world record that he had just set. But they found out later that's not why he was upset. He was upset. And the reason he was upset is in this particular race, when he dove into the water, his goggles became askew and actually started filling up with water. And by the time he got to that last leg that we showed you where he was just barely behind the world record and then caught and set the world record, that last leg, he reported later he couldn't see a thing. Now, in, the, in an Olympic pool, there's actually a black line on the bottom of the pool um, to, to make sure that you can see it and stay in your lane, and then there's actually a, like a horizontal line at the end to let you know that the wall is coming. He couldn't see even the black line on the bottom of the pool. It was, he was totally blind for the end of that race. Now, how was he able to still set a world record? Because to uh, see another one of his habits in preparing for a race is he would always swim the race in a pool with the lights off. So when this happened to him, he was ready. He knew exactly how many strokes he was gonna need for that last lap and even though he couldn't see a thing, he swam in 1920, 21 and he knew that's when he needed to push enough to set the world record. Now, there's a book by a man named Charles Duhigg that says this. Champions don't do extraordinary things. They do ordinary things, but they do them without thinking. They follow the habits that they have learned. Folks, over these next six weeks, we are going to be developing some new habits, specifically the habits of Jesus. And uh, I, I love this quote, this really does well to explain our goal for these next six weeks. Our goal is to instill the habits of Jesus in our lives so that no matter what is happening in the world around us, we stay pointed in the same direction and accomplish amazing things in our lives. In other words, just as Michael Phelps had those habits instilled in his life that allowed him, even when something went horribly wrong in that race, to stay in the right lane, to stay focused, And to still finish well we are going to do the same thing in our lives we are we're going to put those habits of jesus into practice in our lives so that even in the midst of a pandemic we can stay focused stay on track and accomplish what god wants us to accomplish in our lives now two years ago we did this thing called the red letter challenge Now, we called it that because in some Bibles, the words of Jesus are set apart from the rest of the Bible by their their in red. And and we said, what if we actually did what Jesus told us to do? What if we actually tried to live the way Jesus told us to live? And and we looked at five different ways that Jesus taught us to live, being and forgiving and serving and giving and going. But, But we talked about the fact at the very beginning that one of those was much more important than the other, and it was the idea of being being with Jesus, being like Jesus. Because if we can't get that being part right, all the doing isn't going to do us any good. And and so we talked about how important it is to be with Jesus, and how important it is to learn to live like Jesus, to be like Jesus. And so now we're going to concentrate on just that being for the next six weeks. And I have Three kind of key questions I want us to take a look at this morning as we prepare to start that task on Monday morning. The first one is, why Jesus? What, why should we aim at Jesus? Why, why is it Jesus whose habits we should be following? We're going to answer that question. And then second of all, what, what, what is a keystone habit? What, is, is that different than other habits? It is, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means and why we use that term, and, and how is that going to help us be like Jesus? And then finally, what are those five keystone habits that we're gonna be looking at together over these next six weeks? Now, first of all, let's take that first question. Why should we aim at Jesus? Well, very simply, Jesus is the one person who had a perfect relationship with his heavenly father. The, The one person that has lived life the way God originally designed it to be lived. You know, we talk about Jesus being fully divine, but the fact is he was also fully human. He lived life as a human being, and he lived that life the way all of us were created to live that life. And so we're going to focus on Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews put it this way. He says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, and then he calls him the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know one of the things that the bible teaches us is even when it comes to our faith it's not something we do it's something that god does in us and through us and and by the way the bible also does this kind of weird thing of 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 kind of attaching certain things to one person of the trinity but then attaching something the same thing to someone else like for example if i asked you who between god the father god the son and god the holy spirit who's the creator of the universe you would probably say god the father right And yet in John chapter one, uh, John tells us that nothing was created that Jesus didn't create, that that Jesus wasn't involved in. And, And so if I asked you, who's the author of your faith, who's the one that gave you the gift of faith, you might say the Holy Spirit, right? And yet here in Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews, but we're not sure who that was by the way, the writer to the Hebrews says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author of your faith. But not only is Jesus the author of your faith, he is the perfecter of your faith. He is the one that continues to make your faith grow. And we're gonna rely on his strength these next weeks as we seek to put those habits of Jesus into place in our lives. Then he says to this, he says, not only is he the author and perfecter of our faith, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What's the joy set before him that led him to go through being crucified. In other words, the writer of Hebrews said he was willing to go through death on a cross, the most horrible death you can imagine, and he was willing to do that because there was something that he wanted to accomplish. There was something that he knew would bring him joy if he did that. Now, what is that thing? It's rescuing you and me. It's restoring you and me in our relationship with our God. It's that gift of salvation that we have been given. The thought of being able to restore us And our relationship with God was so joyful for Jesus that he was willing to give his life for us. And he ends by saying, scorning that shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We confess that Jesus is seated at the right hand of his Father in heaven right now. And by the way, I heard a pastor say this the other day. He said, in these challenging times, I take great comfort that Jesus is seated in heaven. He said he could be pacing nervously up in heaven, but he's not. He's seated he knows he's got everything under control now we do want to make sure that when we focus on jesus we're focusing on the real jesus the the jesus of the scripture and not some jesus that we make up ourselves now, did you guys know that uh, during the pandemic in the very early days of the pandemic a, a year ago in march um, people started using zoom a lot more right and so some pretty wise people said well i'm going to invest in zoom because i'm sure their stock's going to go up so they, so they um, went into their stock programs and, and uh, called their brokers and said, I want to invest in Zoom Technologies. Z-O-O-M was the stock symbol. Only problem was it's the bottom company on there, Zoom Technologies. That's not the company that had the Zoom online platform that we were all using. So Zoom Technologies stock, for no apparent reason at all, went from like $1.50 to over $20 a share uh, within a week. And and so so fast that the SEC had to actually stop the selling of the stock to put it on hold for a minute because they had to figure out what was going on and they realized people were buying the wrong company. They were buying the wrong Zoom. And and once everybody realized that, they sold those shares and their stock went from over 20 down to 29 cents. Now, now can can you imagine if, uh, by the way, the real stock symbol was ZM, not Z-O-O-M. That's what they were supposed to be investing in. Now, Now, can you imagine if you were one of those investors you went, I got this, and you you invested a whole bunch of money in Zoom technologies, and then you sat back and relaxed, and like three weeks later, you went and checked it, and it was 29 cents a share. You're focused on the wrong thing. So we want to make sure that that we've got the right Jesus. That's why we're going to not only spend time reading every day, but we're going to spend time in God's Word every day to make sure that we are focused on the right Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, that's the NIV translation, um, but I I want you to see the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion, Jesus says? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, Jesus says. Doesn't that sound good? He says, walk with me. And work with me. Watch how I do it. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be watching for those habits in Jesus' life. And then I love this. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. See, over these next six weeks, we're going to be reading every day. After this week, there's going to be some daily challenges for you to take. Uh, We're going to be talking about five habits we want to put into place in our lives. And that can all sound pretty overwhelming, can't it? But but Jesus says no 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 this is this is this is, I'm not forcing you to do this this isn't something where you've got to do it or I won't love you anymore this is this is unforced rhythms of grace. And by the way, we are going to be very gracious with one another during these next weeks. If, if you miss a few days of reading, don't worry about it. Don't try to go back and get it all caught up. Just jump right back in where you're supposed to be and, and just keep going. Or um, some of you are in small groups that used to meet every other week, but now we're going to meet weekly during this challenge. And if you miss a week, don't feel like anybody's going to blame you. Just jump back in the next week and get back involved. We're going to treat one another with grace over these next six weeks. Now, what are keystone habits and how are they really going to help me be like Jesus? Well, first of all, did you know that social scientists have studied our lives and what they found is about half of your day you do without thinking. In other words, about half of the things that you do, uh, you can do without thinking. You could be thinking about other things while you do them because they are habits that you've got instilled in your life. Like when you brushed your teeth this morning, you did brush your teeth this morning, Right? When, when you brushed your teeth this morning, you didn't have to think about how you were brushing your teeth. It's a habit you've gotten in, ingrained in your life, and you just did it, and you were probably thinking about other things. Or when you ride a bike or, or drive a car, uh, again, you don't have to think about every action you take. Like, okay, I've got to pump this pedal, now that pedal, or okay, now I have to turn this, or I have to put a turn signal on. You just do those things. These are habits that you have ingrained in your life. Even eating is a habit. And in fact, if you've ever noticed, you ever have that experience where you sit down to lunch and maybe you're reading a book or watching something on television and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I ate my whole lunch already. wasn't even thinking about it. And, uh, and, and so we have these habits in our lives. Now here's the thing though, some of the habits in our lives are what we would call keystone habits. They are habits that bleed over into other areas of our life. So keystone habits are habits that spill over into other areas of our life that kind of have a domino effect on decisions we make and things that we do. They are really important habits. And by the way, again, studies have shown that they're not any harder to put into place in your life than regular habits. It's just another habit that you put in place that actually has a beneficial effect or, by the way, a negative effect in other areas of your life. Let me give you an example. The habit of working out every day that that's a habit, that once you get into that habit, it has many positive effects in other areas of your life, like better health, and you sleep better, and things like that. Or here's another one, and this one's kind of weird, I think, but again, scientists have proven that it's true. If you make your bed every morning, that habit spills over into other areas of your life, and you tend to be a person who's more disciplined, and who gets more things done, and things like that. Isn't that kind of amazing. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like it's a waste of time. I mean, I'm just going to mess it up again tonight, right? But people say if if you're in that habit, it spills over into other areas of your life. Here's another one. I know you guys, I saw a lot of heads nodding. You brushed your teeth. Did you floss? Because that's another habit actually that they say that once you get in that habit, it actually has um, effects in other areas of your life. In fact, there are a lot of life coaches that will start with that. They'll say, okay, the first thing we're going to work on is flossing. And people are like, what? Yeah, because if you can get that habit in your life, you can get a lot of other habits in your life. So a keystone habit is a habit that we put into place that we know is going to have a very positive effect in other areas of our life. And so we are going to be looking at the unforced rhythms of grace, those things that Jesus did, his keystone habits, that when we study his life, we see he did these things over and over and over again. We're gonna be looking at those and saying, how can I put those into place in my life because they will have a great effect in other areas of life as well. Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy 4, talking to a young pastor named Timothy, he said, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. In other words, he said, if you, if you discipline yourself, if you do these things, you will be more like Jesus. You will be more like God. So what are those keystone habits? Well, there are five of them. Now, we could probably dig a little deeper and find six or seven of them in Jesus' life. Or maybe you could argue maybe four of them would have been better, but w- whatever. We've, we've picked five of them, and we're gonna take a week each. After this week, we're gonna introduce each one of these. And then starting next weekend, we're gonna take one of these habits every week and study them together over the next six weeks we're going to look at how jesus was committed to community think about that for a minute from the very first day that jesus began his earthly ministry he gathered people around him and he spent his life with them he was committed to being in community with others jesus also studied scripture he studied god's word now, you may say, well, wait a minute. He wrote God's word. Well, of course he did. But remember, he was both fully divine and fully human, and we can't quite figure out exactly how that fits together, but we do know that everything that we as human beings have to do, he had to do, which means he had to memorize portions of Scripture just like you and I do. In fact, remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil and, and every temptation, Jesus had some Scripture to throw right back at, the, at Satan. Those are Bible verses that Jesus had memorized. We're told when Jesus was 12 years old in the temple, the other religious leaders were amazed at how well he knew his Bible. He studied scripture. Jesus also prioritized prayer in his life. In other words, we know that during the most crucial times of his life, uh, during the most important times of his life, he prayed. By the way, uh, Martin Luther, the, where we get our name Lutheran from, he, he wrote that, that he used to pray an hour every day. And and one day somebody said to him, oh, come on, Martin. Seriously, when you get really busy, I bet you don't pray an hour every day. When things get really tough, you don't don't pray for an hour. And he said, you're right, I don't. I pray for two hours. He got that from Jesus. He prioritized prayer, and, and we are going to learn to do that too. Now, one of the things that Jesus did, even though he was committed to community with others, he also knew the importance of solitude. He also knew the importance of some time with just him and his heavenly Father, some time for quiet away from others, and we're going to talk about how we can prioritize and put and seek solitude in our lives. And finally, when you study Jesus, one of the things you're going to see is he went to church all the time. Whether that was the temple in Jerusalem, we always see him at the temple in, in Jerusalem, or when he wasn't in Jerusalem, he's in a synagogue somewhere. And uh, and so making a priority for church, for worship, uh, for time together like we're doing this morning is important as well, and we're going to talk about that as a habit in our life too. Now, folks, over these next six weeks, I want to encourage you to do three things. First of all, to be here every week. Uh, These weeks, as we're going to set up the following week, are going to be important. So Commit that over these next six weeks you're going to find a way to be in church every week. And by the way, remember we have online church too. If, you've got to, if you can't physically be here you could still be in worship through online as well. Second of all, we're going to do these daily readings and challenges, and uh, if you've not yet picked up a Being Challenged book, there are some still out there in the lobby. You can get one before you leave today. Um, read the introduction today if you haven't done so yet, And because tomorrow is day one, and we're going to start reading day one together tomorrow. And then finally, just want to encourage you to get into a small group. And, uh, and again, I had somebody come up to me after the service today and say, you know, I've, I haven't been in a small group, but... but You guys said something last week that really hit with me you said maybe you don't need to be in a small group but maybe somebody needs you to be in their group and he he said i thought about that i'm like yeah maybe i can be a blessing to others and so just again want to encourage you if you're not in a group yet it's not too late you can still get in a group you can do that through the church center app you can sign up you can uh, find out a group as you leave today Um, or if you're having trouble getting in a group let me know and we'll get you connected by the way, we also have an online group that's meeting on Wednesday evenings um, online. You could, you could sign up and be a part of that as well. But all, of, all, all three of those things, we're going to be doing them together over these next six weeks with, with here's the final bottom line goal. If at the end of these six weeks, you have one new habit in your life, one new thing that you do all the time that you never did before that is going to help you be more like Jesus, I guarantee that is going to be worth it. You think about that for a minute. What if every single person that calls Trinity their church home six weeks from now has one new habit that helps them be more like Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? That's what we're praying for. So I I can't wait to see what God does over these next six weeks. You know, when Thanksgiving gets here, I think we're going to look back and we're going to go, wow, God did some amazing things in our church family. Then I pray that he does that in your life too. Um, amen.